You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Average Black Girls podcast. My name is Candice, a.k.a. Dice. I am a fashion designer, e-commerce professional, and an amateur chef, and I'm currently unemployed thanks to COVID-19. So I am one-third of the podcast, and I will allow the other members to introduce themselves. And Let's head over to Jordan. Hey, everybody. My name is Jordan. Um, my degrees say that I am a doctor of jurisprudence, but I am honestly still figuring it out out here. So, you know, I'm just Jordan for now. <laughs> Megan <laughs> what's up y'all my name is Megan um, my background is in psychology currently a full psychologist um, but I'm also an entrepreneur working on those seven streams of income so stay tuned to hear <laughs> more about that um, do you guys want to tell them like how we all know each other that just occurred to me yeah, so actually, um, me and it's a funny story. Me and Dice were looking for a small child to adopt, and we saw Megan. And I'm just... <laughs> I was real lost. <laughs> That's not it. true. You should have seen Dice's face, like Dice for our like, listeners. Hey. Dice was like, huh? Yeah. If anything, they would have adopted me. <laughs> I was about to say, would have the other so. way around. <laughs> would have adopted Jordan. I know, I know. Okay, so somebody who's more serious than me, I don't know if y'all want to take it away with how we met each other. It's very simple. We are all line <laughs> sisters. <laughs> there, is, there is no story. <laughs> we are all line sisters of the incredible Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I'm going to say y'all all that. But anyways, that's that's how we all know each other. Today's topic, but before we get into it, I'm sorry. We have a Not Your Average Black Girl shout out. I'm going to let Jordan talk about that. And then we'll go into today's topic. So go ahead, Jordan. All right, y'all. So um, this is nothing new. I know everybody has been seeing this young lady's name all over your social media um, and also all over the news. But today's Not Your Average Black Girl shout out goes to the one and only Miss Brianna Taylor. Um, for those who are not familiar with this story, I definitely wanted to take this time to just shed light on what's happening with the situation right now. Um, and let me just pause because this is not even in my notes, but I do just want to give a shout out to all the celebrities who were recently just in Louisville, Kentucky, and honestly, everyone who was just in Louisville, Kentucky um, within the past week that were um, protesting on behalf of Breonna Taylor and demanding the arrest of her murderers. 
But let me get back into the story for those who may be a little clueless as to what's going on. So Brianna Taylor was a 26-year-old African-American female who was a medical worker from Louisville, Kentucky. And unfortunately, she lost her life due to police officers on March 13th. Um, on this night, Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were actually sleeping at the time in her home, and police officers had obtained a no-knock warrant, and so they entered the home, did not announce themselves, did not knock, um, and upon entering the dwelling, Mr. Walker, who is Brianna's boyfriend, or who was Brianna's boyfriend at the time, fearing for the safety of not only his life, but hers, fired shots at the intruders, like any other person would do who has a license to own a gun. So Mr. Walker fired shots at the police officers and he did hit one of them. He reports say that he hit one of the officers in the knee and the officer is expected to make a full recovery. So um, upon him making, uh, upon him firing his gun, officers returned fire. When they did so, they hit Miss Taylor, Breonna Taylor, and she lost her life. Now, there are some disputed facts, um, but the reports say that Miss Taylor laid alive for about five minutes after she had been shot and over 20 minutes before she ever received any medical attention. So even if I don't say anything else about the situation, that right there is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but the police officers obtained the warrant because they were trying to search her premises. Um, and if anybody wants to know why were they even trying to search her premises, there was actually an ongoing investigation happening for two drug dealers who were a few homes down from hers. But they received um, permission to enter Miss Taylor's dwelling because it was believed that one of the drug dealers had received packages to Miss Taylor's house. So that's why they obtained the warrant in general to even search her home. Um, since, you know, like I said, one of your girls degrees does say Dr. Jurisprudence, I definitely wanted to take the time to just put our community and our listeners on to the law, you know, I mean, why not? That's why we have this platform. So for y'all who may be asking, well, what is a warrant and what is a no-knock warrant? I'll just go ahead and tell you the requirements of each. So for any warrant, you must have probable cause um, unless you obtain, well, actually for each warrant, you must have probable cause. So if you want to know what probable cause is, it's basically like based on the facts and the circumstances that are known to the police officer that's applying for the warrant at the time. Um, a reasonable person would believe that whoever they're trying to search and seize or the items that they're trying to search and seize uh, this individual or this item is related to a crime. So the person was involved in the crime or the item is related to a particular crime. So in this case, the quote unquote packages that they believe Miss Taylor to have been receiving on behalf of one of the um, drug dealers would be the item in which they were trying to retrieve or if they felt like Miss Taylor herself, which none of the reports state that they felt like she was actually involved in the crime. But if they felt like she was involved in the crime, then that would be another, you know, reason to give rise to probable cause for them entering her home to obtain her or to arrest her. Um, now, when it comes to the no-knock warrant, which is the specific kind of warrant that one of the Louisiana, uh, Louisiana, ooh, excuse me, one of the Louisville judges had issued to these particular officers, um, basically you have to have the presence of exigent circumstances. 
meaning that um, if the police officers were to actually announce themselves, so knock on the door and say, hey, you know, it's police, open up, that whatever you're going in there looking for, meaning like a particular item, there is a risk that it could be destroyed by you announcing yourself, or it will compromise the safety of the police officers who are um, exercising or enacting that warrant if they were to announce themselves. But one thing I do want to point out about this situation is that the Department of Justice made a statement and they did explain that even if a police officer obtains a valid no-knock warrant, this does not give them the permission to negate any additional information that they may uncover or come across or obtain, which would, um, basically, I said negate earlier, but it would negate uh, the reason for doing the no-knock warrant or for exercising the no-knock warrant. And in my opinion, just from the facts that I've read, the fact that Miss Taylor and her boyfriend were asleep, it, to me, says that there was no need for you to issue this no-knock warrant because, honestly, all you had to do was just knock on the door and say, hey, you know, is the police open up? Um, and on top of that, you weren't even, you know, sure or it wasn't even, yeah, a belief that Miss Taylor was involved in the crime to the extent as the other drug dealers to even, you know, execute a no-knock warrant in my opinion um but nonetheless yeah so that's just kind of what's happening as of today which is july 19th this is day 126 since miss taylor's killers have not been arrested um there are three officers who have been named in the shooting of miss brianna taylor one was fired but the other two are placed on administrative reassignment so um, if you are kind of, you know, like me and the rest of the protesters and y'all want to see uh, Miss Taylor's, you know, murder is brought to justice, then by all means, go read up on her story, get active in what's going on. Um, you can find a really great article on everything happening at the New York Times.com. They have it like just just explained so perfectly. So I would definitely go read up on it, get active. And yeah. So that is our Not Your Average Black Girl for today, Miss Brianna Taylor. All right. Well, thank you, Jordan, for sharing that with us. And also to add to that, if you want to do something, because I know a lot of times we feel like we can't do anything in these situations as just everyday people, but you can email robert.schroeder at louisvilleky.gov and also tbwine, W-I-N-E, at louisvilleprosecutor.com asking for justice for Brianna Taylor. I will put this in the show's notes so you guys have access to those two emails. You're basically just trying to urge them to go ahead and you know convict these people or whatever, or charge them. Jordan knows the proper terminology, I don't. But we just want something to be done. So <laughs> um, every little bit helps. You know, Send the email. That's the simplest thing that you can do today to try to help with the Brianna Taylor case. But now we are going to get into our topic for the day. And that is life before Corona versus life after Corona. So I will start with this first point because I can fully relate. Prior to Corona, I was fully employed. <laughs> um, I did not realize how much my work was my life or my occupation was my life until it was taken away from me. Um, I was working in the hospitality industry in the marketing department doing marketing and e-commerce. And they put us on a 90-day furlough initially, and then once that 90 days was up, they decided to eliminate my position. Not only my position, but others' positions as well. But the point is, um, it just was pretty eye-opening to kind of realize how like unstable life can be 
and how you are just never really prepared for a lot of these moments and things that happen in life. And, you know, I have basically been a bum ever since. And <laughs> 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 I didn't have anything to do. Um, like every day is Saturday for me. So that was a big change, like not having anything to do. Like, and then of course, as we all know with Corona, you just can't really go anywhere. Or if you can, you're basically risking your life or your health. And so I'm grateful in the end because, you know, my fiance is still fully employed. So I'm not like out here on the street, but otherwise I don't know what I would have done, but that's my two cents. Yeah. I, um, I think it's crazy how this whole thing has evolved because I remember when you first found out that you were furloughed, I think Jordan and I both were like, dang, that sucks. We was like, you know, but that's okay. Like, it, it, we ain't gonna be home that long. Like, you'll probably, you know, you'll be back in there. It'll be cool. Um, and then slowly but surely, we just saw this whole thing unravel, not just for you, but for so many other people as well. It's crazy because we're in the middle of July and this started for me I'm in Georgia in March is when they started telling people to stay home um I don't know when y'all started staying home in Louisiana but it's just crazy that all these months have passed and it's like dang this really is still going on I thought this was gonna be a little you know one month um fiasco you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then move on but now it's like dang people really out here without work yeah, like we really still in the house. Um, businesses still have not recovered, or some businesses are like gone. And I think that was a, a eye opener for me was that some of these businesses really be making it like month to month, just like you know people say they live paycheck to paycheck. And so I do think that we what we were placed on you know shelter in place or whatever like around March as well too. I think dice. And so, like, to see some of the most well-known businesses around Baton, well, Baton Rouge, I was trying not to give away, anyway. So, to see some (laughs) of the most well-known businesses around here, um, to just go out, like, not even, like, two months into COVID, and I'm talking about, like, permanently closed. That was a real big shocker to me, um, to see how these, like I said, these businesses are surviving, I guess, month to month, or, like, literally customer to customer, order to order. So, that was really crazy. And, you know, I mean, people were losing complete livelihoods. And like Dice said, had it not been, you know, for her situation, thank goodness she was in the position to where, even though this did happen to her, unfortunately, you know, like we, like I say we, but y'all can still make it, you know. Um, But there are some people where it's like it's really affecting their overall income. And that's really crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, (laughs) the whole unemployment thing you know, where that was an issue, as I'm sure you guys had heard about, and I know I told y'all what I went through to get my unemployment, and it was just like, now, fast forward, here we are in July, and they're talking about, um, you know, getting rid of the extra money, uh, stimulus money or whatever that was coming with unemployment, so it was an extra $600, and, um, you know, that may not sound like much, but it makes a big difference (laughs) when you are unemployed, because I think people who have never been on unemployment are not familiar with it, they don't realize how like small that money is. And so they're like, oh, you just go on unemployment, you'll be fine. And it's like, not really, because the average person, you cannot afford to pay all of your bills just with the unemployment check. So 
With that being said, I'm not sure what's going to happen once they take away this extra $600. And I know like they're trying to incentivize people to make them go back to work, but I don't know where they think we're going to go work at because there's really not anybody doing a lot of hiring right now. And if you do go, like, again, you're risking your life. So it's like, yeah, you can go work at the grocery stores and stuff. But I mean, that's basically like a cesspool, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Don't get me wrong. But it's just not ideal, I think, for the average person to put themselves in that sort of position. Right. And um, I think that that's what's so sad is, like, a lot of people have been forced to pretty much make that decision between, do I want to stay home because I'm that worried about my health and being exposed to people? Or am I just going to say, okay, I got to risk it and get out here and work. And I mean, you know, grocery stores, like for whatever reason, people have turned wearing masks political. So people are like refusing to wear them. And, you know, like you said, that's kind of a cesspool. It's like whether you're at the grocery store or even a school, because y'all know I work with kids, like, I've seen so many articles about how teachers are either retiring or, um, you know, just choosing not to go back. You know, maybe they'll reapply next year because they don't feel like they should have to risk it. So I'm definitely curious to see how that turns out. I heard that they're voting um, for us. I don't know when listeners, depending on when you listen to this, you might be a little bit behind. But for us, it's July 19th. I heard that the Senate is back in session tomorrow on July um, 20th, I believe. So supposedly they're supposed to be voting on, you know, extending unemployment in a, sec- a second stimulus chest, a check or STEMI as, <laughs> as all our <laughs> friends like to call it, get another round of STEMIs. So I don't know, you know, who knows if they gonna vote on the child, you know. They funny about giving out the regular people money. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You brought up a really good point um, about how this whole thing has become politicized. And, you know, I don't know when that change occurred in society. I really want to say it had to be in the last decade because of social media, where we went from like trusting the word of people who knew more than us about a subject to now questioning everything. And I don't, I just think it's weird because I just vaguely remember a time where if a medical professional said something, you were like, okay, that's what it is. And now it's like, oh, no, no, that can't be true. No, because I read such and such on Google that said blah, blah, blah. And now I'm not doing, it's gotten really weird out here. And I don't know when that happened. I'd even be, doctors. Yeah, and I'd even be willing to argue that I don't even know if it was within the past decade or if it's just under this current administration that everybody is now just questioning and there's just so much confusion about the information that you're receiving because, I mean, granted, there's always been like a little bit of skepticism anytime it came to the media. You know, like, I don't know about y'all, but I know my parents had always taught me that the news you see on Fox is going to be told from a different perspective than the news you see on CNN. But now it's just like the news anywhere. It's like, is it even real? Is it even true? Um, Because, you know, our current, whatever you want to call him, the current leader of the United States, um, I mean, he just puts out so much fake news in his own words that you just do not know what to believe. You don't know what to really do for your own personal health and safety. So, I mean, it, we just don't know. We just don't know. 
I'm sorry, I'm stuck on the whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I'm not going to call him my president. I'm not going to call him my president, so I know what to say. I was like, Unfortunately, you know, you know it is what it is. It, he does have the title, whether we like it or not, unfortunately. Um, but I do understand where Jordan is coming no, from. No, totally, totally. If y'all watch that the man view, over there, like, Whoopi on The View won't even say his name. She calls <laughs> you know who. No, for real, yeah. for any of my View watchers out there who are listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. since he has been elected, possibly slightly before, it's you know who. And like, mm-hmm. if you don't watch that show, you're like, who is she talking about? And you got to oh. listen to the topic for a second <laughs> to be like, oh, that's what she's <laughs> about. She does not say that man's name. Like, that's how disgusted she is. I'm with Will. I think. <laughs> I think I said said the last 10 years only because I agree that it's gotten like really crazy now, but I feel like in the last decade, you kind of saw this slow crawl of like Google professionals. So it's like, oh, I Googled it and now I'm right. Oh, I Googled it and now it's this versus in the past, you really didn't like people use Google, but it wasn't like the end all be all of a conversation. It was like, oh, I use Google. I have medical experience. I have this background. Here's why I think this way. You know, I mean, I have seen I'm sure y'all have seen it, too, especially with the mask. I have seen people who have no medical background, no medical knowledge, just maybe held a few conversations with some friends who are in the medical field and they're arguing scientists down about a mask and i'm like i mean you guys have like the biggest balls i think i have ever seen because mm-hmm. i'm not i'm the type of person i don't like to sound stupid so it's like i'm not going to argue on something if i don't have any knowledge about it you know yeah you can have an opinion but i will strictly say like, this is my opinion but once you present to me these scientific facts and numbers i'm gonna shut up you know but i have seen people just go back and forth back and forth back and forth screaming at each other and i'm like you are not even in this person's like arena you're not even remotely in what this person is in and you're arguing with them it's, it's just hilarious to me like I just don't know what happened I, I don't know everybody's gotten- an expert yeah <laughs> <laughs> everybody's an expert I was just sitting here thinking about um what you were talking about with like employment and stuff and life before COVID um and I know we were talking about this before about work clothes and you know it just dawned on me y'all I don't think I've put on like some business slacks since March 13 through 16. March 16 was my last day in person, like with coworkers and um children. And I have not put on any of like my work clothes since then. It's been leggings, shirts, a couple of days, like I've had some Zoom meetings or whatever, um, throughout the time where we were still working from home before we were on summer break. I might have had on like a professional shirt. Um, but you know, the bottom half was like leggings, sweatpants, whatever I wanted to have on. I was just sitting here thinking like, I ain't worn this stuff in so long. Like, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, as someone who still like has to go into an office, unfortunately, a few days out the week, um, even like in office attire has changed. Like I know a lot of people talk about working from home and having those zoom meetings and how you're dressed up from the waist up. And then, you know, down below, you just never know what you're going to get. But (laughs) even in the office, I'm talking about like jeans every day. And I know I'll try to come, you know, like a little, a little bit more presentable than just casual, how I will, you know, much prefer to come, but just the entire, um, entire building. It's just very, 
very like casual everybody's just a lot more casual so I've found that to be very interesting and I know I posed this question to Dice as our you know like resident fashion expert and things like that um and me being a avid avid hall watcher on YouTube I've noticed just (laughs) a lot of cozy comfy clothes hauls on YouTube and so I know one day I had asked Dice like if she you know thought that maybe this moment in history would change the fashion industry especially for workwear and things like that so um I'd be interested you know for you to discuss that just a little bit Dice you know if you think that this will be something that we will forever carry with us even after COVID is quote unquote over and we return to as close to normal as possible um, can you see the fashion industry kind of, you know, placing more of an emphasis on whether it be like more comfortable materials, um, color choice, you know, neutral type stuff? I don't know. But just what's your take on um, COVID and how it's affected the fashion industry? Right. Well, I'm glad you asked, Jordan. Um, so ironically, I am planning to do a YouTube video about that topic in particular. Um, for those of you who don't know, obviously, y'all don't know who I am, but Uh, My YouTube channel is C Simone Media. That's Simone with a Y, not with an I. Um, Nevertheless, on there, I do do like fashion hauls and also a bunch of other random things, wedding planning, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, that's my little shameless plug. Um, So as far as like my background, (laughs) I do have a degree in fashion design and fashion merchandising, and I worked in the fashion industry for several years. And I feel like that's important to state because as I said earlier, I don't like when people talk about things they don't know anything about or really know very little about. Um, in history of fashion, like you will see anytime there's like a major event, like a war or something like this, or even the most recent event that you've heard a lot now is the Spanish flu. Um, it does change fashion. So like when wars happen, people tend to like obviously not have as much money as they used to have. A lot of people are living in poverty. So there it becomes more about wearing clothes that are more durable and sustainable and less about being cute and being fashion forward. Um, same thing with like the Spanish flu. It was in the same direction where you saw, you know, people were dying, people are in mourning. They're not as likely to be like running around here, you know, in loud colors and, you know, being flashy. So I think what we're going to see um, for 2020, probably all the way into like 2022 is you're going to see a lot more of like hobo fashion, um, kind of like what Kanye called himself trying to do at one point, um, but it'll be at a reasonable price point. <laughs> um, so I think you'll see a lot of that. You'll see hobo fashion. You'll see a lot more people focusing on staples. So it's like your pair of jeans that you, you know, you know, are not going to go out on you or anything like that. Um, going back to brands that they're very familiar with, like speaking of jeans, I know everybody knows Levi's. That's always been a very iconic brand for denim. So people will go towards those brands that they know are not going to fail them, which is why you see brands like Forever 21 going down the tubes. You know, even Fashion Nova to me is kind of going on a decline because people don't have a reason now to wear those things. (laughs) So it's like, unless you just want to be cute in your house or in your friend's backyard, but it's like the chances of you buying up all those clothes like how you did before in like the fast fashion and it's just not, not good for the environment. And I think people are becoming way more conscious of oh, when I buy that $10 shirt, you know, and then I throw it away in two or three months, we're starting to create a huge problem for these landfills and for these donation centers and stuff like that. So anyways, that's a tangent. But the point is, I think people are going to go to what they know, and they're going to go to what they know is going to last them. So your basic, your basic everyday clothes, your jeans, your basic t-shirts, things like that, 
And really, I think emphasis will be placed on accessories as well, because that kind of helps make or break your outfit. Speaking of accessories, um, our girl Megan here does have her own little jewelry thing going on. I will let her talk about that in a moment so that she can get her own little shameless plug as well. Um, but nevertheless, that's what I think is going to happen in a nutshell. So also, I think the influencer culture is going to kind of get hit pretty hard, too, because, you know, nobody right now is wanting to see you parading around in your Louboutins and <laughs> all your designer drip while the rest of us is out here struggling to make ends meet. So that's it for me. Yeah, I think you made a lot of valid points, um, Dice, and I would say all those things that you were saying about people going towards what they know has honestly already started. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. y'all have seen that as well i think it's already started and um one thing i paid attention to was you know these companies been sending out emails like daily about this percentage off and you know buy one get one this and clearance this you know they're trying to stay relevant they're trying to stay in business because like you said they know like you don't really have a reason to buy that jumpsuit because where are you going with it on i mean you can if you want to for when things open back up but it's not a priority right now for a lot of people um but you did touch on the accessories so I'm gonna go ahead and let y'all know I do sell jewelry I have a website that you can visit if you want to check it out the website is royalcrownaccessories.com royalcrownaccessories.com um shipping is usually pretty fast so you guys just go on there check it out everything is nickel and lead free it updates pretty frequently so y'all tell a friend tell a friend it's one of my seven streams that's going to turn me into a millionaire. So thanks, Dice, for that reminder. You know, I got to plug at all times. <laughs> and shipping is quick. I am a proud customer. I can give a little review, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I enjoyed my purchases so far. Shipping did come real quick. Even in the middle of Corona, my girl still got that fast shipping. We thought only Amazon could do it, but Royal Crown Accessories got it too. So um, they didn't do it. They stopped. They slowed down. At first, because they were trying to, like, place, like, priority on certain items. Like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, no, boo-boo. I still need these biker shorts right now. I don't care. I think where a lot of people were bothered, and I'm sure if y'all have Prime, which I'm sure y'all probably do, y'all can relate. But it was like, if you're going to slow down my shipping, then refund me my money. (laughs) You know? Or at least a portion of it. Because it was like, come on. Like, I paid for this perk, and now y'all are taking it away. Like, I get what they were trying to do. I'm not trying to sound, like, insensitive. But I was just like, my money is my money. And Amazon can clearly afford to, like, give me a little bit of that back to help them out. But anyways, I digress. It's my money, and I need it now. Like, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I was saying that so much. Because I know that we talked about it before, and I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I know we've discussed on many occasions how, like, a lot of small business owners have this perception that y'all don't email Amazon like this. Y'all don't ride Amazon like this. Says who? <laughs> like, when that package doesn't come in those two days, oh, I'm emailing, I'm calling I'm looking for where can I leave my Facebook review. Like, don't be fooled. We get on Amazon, too, when they don't deliver within the expected time period, okay? Everybody can get it equally when it comes to not receiving <laughs> the merchandise within a reasonable time frame. No, I'm with you on that all the way, regardless. And I'm glad that Megan brought that up because we can touch on that very briefly. Um Obviously, as y'all know, since so many people are unemployed, you are seeing a lot more people open up their own businesses of all sorts of varieties. 
And, you know, since this is a black podcast um, and all of us are black females, you know, I do feel like we have some insight onto what's going on in our own community. And what I would like to address, you know, as far as supporting black businesses, we definitely want to support our black businesses. Um, I think, especially now more than ever with all that's going on in the world, we are definitely trying to promote black businesses, support them in any way that we can. But there is a narrative out there that I'm sure you all are aware of that a lot of people have, you know, less than pleasant or less than stellar experiences with black businesses. Not going to go into heavy detail because I don't want it to come across as bashing or anything like that. But, you know, customer service is a big thing for any business. I don't care if it's black, white or in between. And I think sometimes like, yes, we can try to be patient with our people because we did, you know, get kind of left behind as far as business practices are concerned, you know, as far as, as y'all know the history of America, y'all know that when Black people did try to start their own businesses, they were burned to the ground, um, faced a lot of animosity. And so as a result, we are way behind the curve on having our own business and knowing how to run it. So with that being said, we understand the struggle and we're not trying to say that we don't. However, this is 2020. There are an abundance of resources out here. There's YouTube, which we all know is free. And there are plenty of people out here talking about businesses, how to run them, customer service, all sorts of things. And so I would love to see our community improve on that end as far as just basic communication. And this is not for all of them. This is just for the ones that, you know, seem to be falling a little behind. You know, if y'all could just work on letting your customers know what's happening. You know, nobody wants to wait 10 years for a product, but at the same time, I might be willing to wait if you just let me know that I'm going to have to wait in advance. So it's just like little things that you could do to try to communicate with your customers so that they know like, yes, we received your order. Yes, we're working on it. However, we're experiencing delays. We will get it to you estimated at this time. Otherwise, we'll let you know. I mean, a little communication goes a long way. That's all I'm saying. I agree. And I think that's good that you brought that up, that you never know. People just might be willing to wait as long as you let them know that they have to wait. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think y'all raised some, you know, some really good points when it comes to doing black business. Um, I will always say that my mood and I hate to say that it came as late as it did. But my mood now and moving forward is, is it black owned? You know, is it a black professional doing it? If so, I'm in there like swimwear. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to support, I'm trying to give my money, but once again, you do have to have the customer service. Um, and, um, and, and that's just important because I would expect as a customer, customer service from any other company. And so I definitely expect it from you, my black brother and sister. Um, and so, you know, Megan and Dice know <laughs> the situation <laughs> I went through trying to work with a black professional this week. I won't get into it. But y'all, when I say that was a a big lesson for me, um, because I don't know what it is about me. I think sometimes I I definitely choose to see the best in people. I always believe that people are going to treat me the way I, you know, would treat them. And I had to learn that some of y'all are just not ruthless, but just I mean, just no, no business practices, just no business sense. And so um, I had a very, very long drawn out dramatic situation with a black professional that was local here. And I would just prefer to not relive that. So learning from that situation, 
you know, black business owners, we got to get on it. We got to do better because like now there is the demand. Now there is the audience who is not only I mean, there was always the audience, but now we're woke. You know, like now we're specifically seeking that out and no longer will we say, well, if this person's got it, then I'll just go to them. Like there are a lot more people just like me who are saying, well, no, I want the black. I want the black owned version. That's the one I want. So now that we are a priority, even amongst our own people, but others too, you know, coming off of BLM, there are people within other communities who are saying, you know, let me support black owned businesses. And so now it's just time to step up because we have the stage. So, you know, let's show out now that we got it. Let's let's show out and do the best that we can do. But yeah, yeah. I want to see y'all win out here. We really do. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to see y'all win and we want our communities to do better so that we can continue to give back and start creating that generational wealth that is necessary in the black yeah. community. And I think it took such a long time because I know that I've always felt, I don't know about y'all, but I've always felt like in society that there was this um I don't know, just this air that it was okay for like you know, the Jewish community to support the Jewish community. It was okay for, um, you know, Amish to support the Amish, but that when it came to black people saying, oh, I'd really like to, you know, shout out a black man for this or a black woman for that, that there was, well, you know, we're all people at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's always been this air of like, oh, well, why does it only have to be someone black? And I do think that, you know, kind of what Jordan was saying, like for a lot of people, I think that it took, the times that we're in now for people to realize like you know what it's okay for me to get up there and pull Issa Rae and say like yeah I'm, I'm rooting for everyone who's black like it's okay to do that every other community every other group does it why can't we do it and it's not saying oh I will only shop black because I'm sure there are some essentials that we need that maybe a black person hasn't come up with a business for that yet um but you know there's nothing wrong with saying well at the end of the day if I'm gonna go get my hair done I'm looking to do it in a black owned salon because there are many other people of many other groups whether it's cultural or not cultural who say I'm looking to get this I'm going to go look to support someone who I share this in common with and I love that Black people are um, getting to that point, quite frankly, because I feel like it's long overdue. We should have been saying, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to support you, but I'm going to support my Black brother and sister first, because it's how everybody else is rising to the top, quite frankly, I mean, if we're being honest. So I'm loving it, all the Black support out here. Y'all keep doing it. I also um, appreciate the black businesses that I've seen that are focusing a lot on like wellness and, um, you know, mental health, spiritual growth, et cetera. I've definitely seen a few come out like that, Um, whether you're into those things or not, but they do have have, like sage and crystals and, you know, um, essential oils and things like that, because obviously right now we're living in like a trying time. And so to any, any like thing you can do to get yourself to relax, or to not get too overwhelmed with what's going on in the world and in your own life. Um, I definitely appreciate those Black businesses for filling that void in that particular market for us so that we can support them. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, mental health in the Black community is probably a a topic for a completely different day. But no dice, I 100% agree. And I think it's definitely necessary because we're all going through a trying time right now. Like everyone is dealing with this COVID and quarantine in their own way. And then on top of that, it's like life is still continuing. Um, So it's like if you wake up one morning and you're still dealing with the effects of COVID, it's like by noon, you're still dealing with just some random everyday, you know, shit too. So 
it's just like, dang, like I'm getting it from from all ways because life is still going on. So definitely shout out to those black businesses. Um, I just got, you know, some crystals from Chakra Zulu. Let me just go ahead and, you know, put that in there, Chakra Zulu. Um, and she had really great customer service, really amazing customer service. But I was definitely trying to get into the healing crystals phase um, just because of everything that's going on. And I was like, Lord, I need some good energy in my life. Like I need to recycle as much of this positivity as I can. And so I definitely studied on some crystals and she had an amazing selection. So thank you so much. They came on time. They were in such a cute little package. I actually started to send y'all a picture of it because I know I told you about it when I first bought them. But when they came, the package was so cute. She had so many other little like promotional things in there. It was just really cute as far as customer service goes. And it just really made you feel special when you open the box. Um, so shout out to her. Once again, really, really great product. But yeah, so, you know, well, since I'm a, you know, kind of head a little segue right here, I want to talk about dating in the middle of COVID. I know, you know, you two may not be able to relate because in case my sisters haven't told you, they are wifed up for the most part. Both of them are happily engaged, you know, congratulations to you all. But everybody is not that lucky to be, you know, booed up with a little, you know, boot in the middle of quarantine. So I just kind of feel like COVID has even taken a little turn on the social dating scene these days. And um, as someone who is single, no fiance. So, you know, if somebody's out there, y'all want to put a ring on it, just DM me, let me know. It's, you know, underscore Jordan Armina, hit me up. Um, Yeah, you know, as <laughs> That's one thing I always tell people, like, my mama, my brother, I hate to say it, but yes, my mama, and anybody else, if y'all see somebody that's cute, show them my Instagram. So I'm going to just tell y'all right now, if you think I sound cute, hit my Instagram. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm not somebody who's ever been, like, really big on, um, what is it, like, the dating apps and things like that. But I can imagine that right now with the being COVID, there is more of, you know, user activity on those sites because people are looking for a companionship, like not only in the romantic sense, but like damn near just on a, a friend sense at this point, because God forbid you're somebody who lived by yourself, you're quarantining by yourself, you know, and your only interaction with anyone if you don't go into the office daily is online, through your computer, through your phone or what have you. Um, so COVID has definitely, definitely, definitely changed the social scene. And going back to mental health, I mean, being social is just necessary for day-to-day -day life for a lot of people. Um, I consider myself to be an introvert, so I was doing okay, at least for more than the first half of COVID. Now I'm kind of like, eh. But, um, you know, for those people who are extroverts and quote-unquote social butterflies, like, I know they have been taking a hit. So, yeah, I mean, ooh, child, COVID and, and social social activity. <laughs> think that like do you think that things are going to change in terms of people being less willing to go on those in-person dates and stuff like as time goes on do you think that, that people are going to be like oh you know let's let's Skype for our first date like how do you feel like that's going to look I think it's just going to depend on the person because even now I have seen some of my followers like on Instagram talk about um like social media, not social media, but like Zoom dates and things like that, that they've been on. So like somebody, obviously those Zoom or like FaceTime or something like that. And they will go as far as to like have dinner with one another. So like a whole dinner date situation, but just virtually. Um, I still think that there are ways given today's technology to still kind of like court 
quote unquote a person even though you can't be with them daily so kind of like or be with them physically and daily but going back to the whole like zoom date and food um you know you can always wait or somebody a meal like say i'm the dude and i'm taking one of y'all on a date and we're doing a zoom date it's like bae what you want you know what i'm saying like we can you know both order from the same restaurant or whatever and i order my meal and then i send you know your meal to your house too I think that's a cute way to still um, kind of like circumvent the physical aspect, but still have that that date, you know, um, and it's just online and it's still virtual. But I guess I kind of like went off on a little tangent from your original question. Yes, I do think some people will be a little hesitant to meet up physically in person. Um, so, yeah. Or they'll want like a full screening, like have you or anyone in your immediate family had COVID-19 within the past six months like not to make light of it but I'm just being honest like if I were single and I was you know looking to date post all of this and somebody wanted to go out I'm not gonna lie I can imagine me now talking to my mama and her being like oh do you know if he tested positive at any point like does he live with anybody who tested positive and those are things that I feel like you never would have had to think about beforehand but now I mean you had to think about some other <laughs> some other health concerns but now this is just added to the questionnaire you know it's like and do you have COVID and have you been out of the country in the last 30 days you know yeah to who were your last 30 sexual partners you know like just we just asking all kinds of questions because we need mm-hmm. to know what do you have where have you been and what have you been exposed to but um, woo child, you know, I, I can't say woo child enough because I just feel like COVID has just done a woo child on us. Like, glad that you brought that up the whole like asking people about their past sexual history and stuff because I don't know if y'all have heard this where people are comparing COVID to HIV and as far as like the attitudes, not the diseases, but they're like when HIV first came around, which was definitely before I think either of us, any of us were born. Um, I feel like it took off like in the 80s. And um, I think that there was an attitude there where people were like, I'm not going to wear condoms. You're not going to tell me what to do. I don't believe this is real. This is a lie. Like there was like a mindset out there of like denial versus like just non-compliance. So almost like how you see people now were like, I'm not going to wear a mask. You're not going to, you know, infringe on my rights, quote unquote. And then back then it was like, people were like, you're not going to make me wear a condom, you know? So it's like this weird parallel between the two, as far as like the societal impact. And I even read an article where a girl said she got COVID, she did beat it, thankfully, but she was like, you almost become like a social pariah. Like she was like, people don't want to be around you because they think you did something wrong because you got COVID or whatever. And I was like, that is crazy. Like how it's like the same sort of attitude, you know, this is not an STD, but either way, you know, it's not right regardless of what it is, but people are starting to treat people differently if they found out that they had COVID or have COVID or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, they don't know, like with the HIV, they knew, or at least they seem to have figured out where it was coming from. But with COVID, they are still like real murky on the details and they don't know how it's like really being transmitted. It's like the science is changing every day as we already acknowledge. And so it's a little scary now to like be in that situation where it's like, oh, well, what if one of us does get it? It's like, is everybody gonna treat me differently? Like, is nobody gonna wanna be around me anymore? Like just some random food for thought, but yeah. I think for me, the one parallel that I see between the two is 
that would give me a lot of insight into the type of person, like say this is the dating situation, right? And this is somebody that I'm trying to go on a date with and they've tested positive for COVID or been around somebody who's tested positive for COVID and it hasn't been within the required, you know, like 14 days, two weeks or whatever, or they haven't sought treatment or anything like that or additional treatment after they've gotten their diagnosis, but yet they still put my life in danger by coming on a date with me or AKA not wearing that condom if it were HIV. That tells me a lot about you because at the end of the day, like, you know, the differences between the two situations are you can get over COVID, you can't get over HIV, you know? So it's like the repercussions are not as grave for me unless, you know, I'm somebody with, you know, an extremely, um, I don't want to say like submissive, but an extremely weak immune system. And, you know, I get it. And here I am knocked out. But nonetheless, for you to still put my life in danger in any manner, that tells me a lot about the kind of person you are. So for me, that's kind of like the biggest correlation between the two and people still choosing to be interactive in a social setting with people, whether it is friends or someone that you're trying to date and start a romantic relationship with. And you don't disclose the information or better yet, you do disclose the information and the other person still says, well, come on over. You know what I'm saying? Like, that tells me a lot about that person, too. If I were to be the one with COVID, it's like, nah, this person doesn't really make the best decisions, you know? So I don't know if this is somebody that I um, want to move forward with. But that's very interesting. Yeah, I think in terms of, like, people being afraid to disclose it or people treating people the way that others were treated, like I said, um, back when HIV and AIDS was first kind of on the rise, I think that people fear the unknown. I feel like that's in our history. If you look at everything, like anything that people view as a threat, they kind of attack and people often only view things as a threat that they don't know anything about. And um, because the water has been so muddy with COVID and what causes it and what are the symptoms and half of the symptoms are equivalent to the flu symptoms. And then some of us have sinus and allergy problems. So it's like, you know, you don't know And I think that people, you know, kind of let that fear take over and that's what might be causing them to treat people differently, even though they shouldn't do that. Um, You know, whether it's COVID or HIV, like, I don't feel like you should do that. But I also agree with what you were saying, Jordan, you do have to disclose things. Um, Now, I know with COVID, I feel like the difference is if somebody tested positive for COVID back in March and they beat it, then and we're meeting each other in July and potentially going on a date. I don't really need to tell you that. That was months ago. Like, it's different. I got over it. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you can't catch it from me. Maybe you can catch it from your other homeboy you've been hanging out with, but been there, done that. But um, I do overall see what you're saying about, like, being selfish and not disclosing that stuff. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I think it all just goes down to like social responsibility and, you know, whether you are going to hold yourself and others accountable, you know, and unfortunately people, some people are, some people are not. And that's just times that we're living in. But um, with that being said, it is going to be interesting to see how COVID affects the world in the long term. Um, We can already we have named off several things that have been affected already. And, you know, a lot of the things like I was watching a movie the other day and they were at a concert in one scene. And I was like, man, like, remember going to concerts? (laughs) (laughs) Remember when you could do that? (laughs) It's like it's like a pastime. It's crazy, you know, with concerts, yeah. weddings, everything. Yes, don't even get me started because me and some friends of mine have bought tickets for the Millennium 2020 tour. And yeah, that's just not happening. And they have not issued a refund, which to me, I feel like is the most trifling thing as a performer. Won't even get into the industry right now. But like legitimately, if I was somebody who was offering a service like a freaking concert and it has now been canceled due to COVID because you cannot gather for most states in groups of 50 or more. So there ain't no damn way you could have a whole Karina full, I mean, Karina, oh, <laughs> Corona arena, a whole arena full of people. Um, I would just go ahead and issue those refunds because I kind of feel like it's not really worth me being selfish and holding on to that money. That to me, I feel like your fan safety and the trade-off between keeping these people as a fan and then kind of like screwing them over now in a time when people need their books even more than ever. I would go ahead and issue that refund, you know, and, you know, I, I am just kind of venting because uh, I can't remember who's over the Millennium Tour, but y'all need to issue them refunds because y'all don't even have no date. OK, I so just spend that money. Yes. And I'm sorry, but we got to eat out here and I need my little two hundred dollars back. You were going to the Atlanta one, right? I was, I was, and so um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty teed off. But nonetheless, like if they don't issue my refunds and then they announce that new date, I'm going to go. Because I ain't got no, <laughs> I have no alternative now. But no, I was just thinking like I do think that's kind of um, that says a lot about them and where their priorities lie. Because we've been in COVID for a few months now, and the fact that they just kind of waited it out as long as they have without just going ahead and being like, you know what, let's give everybody their money back because we're more inclined to make that money back if we show our fans that we care more about their safety and their financial status, you know, and and refunding the money than we do about taking their money, then they'll be more inclined to do business with us again. But to me, it's just kind of like, they were like, aha, we got you now. We ain't finna give it up, you know? So yeah. refund my money, please. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy because I think, you know, and we've had this conversation separately um, off of the podcast, of course, but uh, I think the fact that we took so much for granted um, being able to go to a concert, you know, that was just like a basic thing. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah, whatever. And then like in the case of me and Megan, you know, we were planning weddings and it's like, again, it was a common occurrence. It's like, 
yeah, plan your wedding, get married, move on. And now it's like, can we even have the wedding? Like, you know, like we just don't know what's going to happen anymore. And it's just like every little thing, people who had birthday parties, baby showers, you know, all of these events that we as a society have come to accept as the norm or as even necessary to some people are now looked at as, oh, that was just a luxury, you know, like there are people who will never have a birthday party, never have a wedding, et cetera. And we're up here, you know, people pitching fits because they can't because <laughs> they can't have them. And don't get me wrong, I, from the wedding perspective, I understand to an extent because you start paying your money into something and it's very difficult in a lot of cases to get your money back from these vendors that you use for your wedding. So financially, especially in these times, I totally understand like being upset that you can't even get your money back. But I still look at it as, you know, at the end of the day, this is out of my control and it would be nice if I could still have my wedding. I don't know. My wedding is not until October, but you know, it's, everything changes so rapidly these days. I just don't, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just like, we'll see. But I think more than anything, a lot of us have learned to not take things for granted anymore, especially like your own life and the people that you care about or whatever, because this virus is getting closer and closer to home and you're starting to meet people now. And it's like, oh yeah, my cousin, you know, has it, you know, my mama, somebody's grandfather passed. I mean, it's just gotten so crazy to the point where it's like in your own backyard and you can't run from it. So cherish the people you have while you have them. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, um, you know, this might kind of segue or trickle into some of the other topics that we want to discuss for, you know, not your average news, but going back to just the whole concept of life is not promised and we should not take things for granted. There has just been so many lives lost in 2020 and just so many appalling things happening in 2020 every single day or every single second. It's like, it's just more bad news after more bad news after more bad news. And so I kind of feel like if COVID taught me personally, nothing else is to make every day count. And for me to live my life every day in the way that satisfies, you know, satisfies me, like I need to be happy every single day because you just don't know if you're going to have tomorrow to make yourself happy. Um, And you just don't even know if you'll have the same people that you had today, tomorrow to be happy with, you know. So that has just been kind of the biggest lesson for me out of COVID is just to to do what I want and what makes me happy every day. That was so sweet. <laughs> no, a little heart her. moment. I'm telling y'all, it's been them healing crystals. I'm telling you, like, I just, <laughs> I mean, I'm faithful too. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love my oh, Lord. Geez. But, um, yeah, and like, and I'll just say this too. Another mm-hmm. conversation that I was having with my mom, and it just kind of dawned on me this week is, I kind of feel like energy moves. And I mean, you, you all may have already come to this conclusion, but I was just like, mom, I'm trying to understand why so many bad things are happening like why people are acting out of character doing things you just would not expect certain people to do like things that literally just do not make sense you know and it's like well why would so many people make these rash dumb decisions all in the same year like what's happening and for whatever reason my mind just kind of settled on I just kind of feel like it's that same bad energy that's just recycling and affecting people in different ways and granted we've probably had an outpouring of a lot more of it this year because once again whatever you want to call him the man that is the leader of this country I feel like he came in with his own energy for 2020 um and then there were other things that happened at the beginning beginning of in, of 2020 that put out 
you know, less than favorable energy like Kobe's passing and things like that. And so I kind of feel like whatever you see on social media and the things that you take in, they also affect your day and also, you know, impact the type of energy that you put out throughout the day. And, you know, granted, it's like however many billion people in the world and however many people in the U.S., I still feel like that energy from each person is just being you know, being recycled. It's it's passing from household to household, person to person, wherever you receive it from, I do feel like you are passing it off on other people. And now we've just kind of come to the point to where it's just, it's all accumulated into a big old shit show that is 2020 month after month. Like each month says, hold my beer to the last one. And we just <laughs> get more and more and more. So um, it, it, 2020, I mean, is beyond one for the history books. Yes, definitely. Um, so speaking of crazy things that's happened in 2020, I think now is a good time to go into our Not Your Average News segment of the show. Um, so these are topics and things that have occurred this week <laughs> starting. Uh, this week has been crazy, y'all. I mean, I know like 2020 has been crazy, but I feel like this week in particular was crazier than like the last couple weeks. I don't know. So let's just start with the first topic. Um so Tamara leaving the real. Um, I think Megan probably is the best person to speak on this because she keeps up more with these things. And I think me and Jordan do, especially me. Meg, would you like to take the wheel there and uh, walk us sure, through that? Sure, sure. So, I mean, in her statement, um, for those who, who saw it and if you didn't see it, I'll just kind of wrap it up. In her statement, she just essentially said, like, nothing bad happened. There's no bad blood. She's still friends with all the hosts because, you know, that was the first thing people were going to come for. Um, but that she just wants to explore other opportunities that she just, you know, she has to make room for different avenues. And I think she said something about wanting to spend time with her family as well. Um, but you know, I think I said this to y'all briefly in a text when the news hit. One thing that I noticed about talk shows in general, especially those, those panel type shows, the view, cause you have the view, you have the talk, um, you have the real, and I think there's so many other ones out there that probably just are not as popular yet if it's going to be a show of longevity um people leaving is inevitable i mean the same group of women that started off on the view is not the same group of women that are there right now all of the women that are there right now will not be there if the show continues for 20 more years because i think that's just natural to want to move on um, but nevertheless, yeah, Tamara's leaving. The show has been on the air for some years. I don't think people realize how many years The Real has been on. But it's been on for a while, and she's been there since the beginning. Um, and so I think that's kind of natural just to eventually want to move on. But I do think that for a lot of people, this raised eyebrows, and there's a lot of talk amongst people who watch the show, um, especially those YouTube um, people and everything about whether or not this is the beginning of the end for the show because no doubt they're probably going to try to replace her but will it be someone who meshes with the other girls um you know will this spark other girls leaving so I think it's going to be interesting to see how this goes and um I'm you know I love Tamira I love Tia and Tamira and so I was sad to see that she announced she was leaving she's probably my favorite one on there um, but I am excited to see what else she has going on and, and what other projects she's going to bring to us. I think the fans have been begging for a while now for her and Tia to do some stuff together. And so this is just me assuming, but, you know, I'm 
I'm hoping that one of those things that she needs to make time for is some projects that, you know, maybe she and her sister would like to do together. I think that would be cool to see her get back to her roots of the acting. So, um, Megan, did you hear anything about Tamara's husband being racist? I know this is not like new, new news from what mm-hmm. I did on a Google search, but it's something that's kind of like, I guess, popped up throughout the years. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you heard anything about that, or I can just say what I what I read. So but... <laughs> Adam, her husband, used to work for Fox, I believe. Yes, used to work for Fox. And, you know, Black Lives Matter has been going on for a while now. But during one of the peaks, I'll say, of Black Lives Matter... Um, he took a lot of heat and so did she for the fact that it got to a point to where at first I think people took issue with his comments on Trayvon Martin which I believe he made before knowing the facts of the case as a lot of people did Um, just speaking before you give the story time to develop and then you have to go back and apologize and correct yourself because now you had time to read the story Um, I think he pulled one of those but also um, I think a lot of the flack that he took in general was just you know, and we're somewhat still in this era of where people feel like if you work at Fox, you're racist, like point blank, simple. If you work at Fox, you're racist. And so a lot of it was that, if I'm going to be honest, a lot of it was just, um, oh, Tamara's husband works at Fox. He's racist. Oh, he still worked there. He's racist. But I mean, he eventually, um, I know that he eventually left. And as I dug more into it and I found out what kind of work he did over there, I was like, oh, he don't even work on the shows that talk about the tough topics like he'd be out there with the hurricanes and stuff like disaster coverage so I was like what is the conversation he doesn't even be up there with the people who say the I read I did do some research on it and I don't think he's racist I think what it is is ignorance (laughs) um he's a very good example of how you can be married to somebody in you know the black race and not fully understand or grasp what's going on in the black community. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's your average white male. I'm just going to be, you know, frank about it. And where he thinks, you know, everything's pretty much okay and you know, we don't need to a lot of like a lot of white people, especially white men who are not racist, they tend to think that everybody thinks like them, so they're like oh, there really isn't a race issue. It's something else. Oh, it's not really this. It's that. You guys are the ones creating the divide. We never said this. You know, like he kind of has that mindset. And I saw a comment he made, I think on Instagram, he was celebrating 4th of July. I'm gonna be frank with y'all. I never cared about 4th of July. And it wasn't, had nothing to do with race or my beliefs or anything. I just don't care. (laughs) It was never like a big holiday for me in general. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I'll go to a cookout, but it wasn't like, oh man, I gotta, you know, do something 4th of July. Like if I didn't do anything, I really didn't care. And so he was celebrating it. He posted something on his Instagram. And of course someone commented and was basically like, oh, what are y'all gonna do? Did y'all celebrate Juneteenth? You know, what did y'all do for Juneteenth or whatever? And he basically said something like, well, I don't have a problem celebrating Juneteenth, but I'm not going to do it if you're trying to separate it from 4th of July. Like basically trying to say like, really? I can celebrate both, but I'm not going to, you know, choose one over the other or something stupid. Anyway, so I just think it comes from a place of ignorance. And, you know, obviously Tamara and um, T and Tamara are, are biracial. And I think a lot of times biracial people too have a hard time because frankly, in my opinion, they look black. 
And even though they're biracial, they look black on the surface, they look black. So people are going to perceive them as black women. And I think sometimes that can, um, what's the best way to put it? That can lead to us regular folk assigning our own narratives to them. And being that we think they're black, so they should agree with what the average black person will agree with. But in their minds are like, yeah, I mean, we are, but we're also biracial. And so we're going to see the white side of things as well. You know, I think we have to remind ourselves of that when we go and attack, you know, Tamara, because at the end of the day, she has a white father, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, of course, her view is going to be a little different. And so it's like we can't be so quick to get upset with people when they don't necessarily agree with our narrative, because at the end of the day, we don't know what their upbringing was like and why they can't see things a certain way. And even what's his name? Um, J. Cole, who I was shocked to find out later on was was mixed. I thought he was a black man for the longest. I was very surprised when I found out he was mixed several years back. But he even came out recently and was talking about how some things he cannot relate to. Like some things that go on in the community, he can't relate to, you know, because it sounds like he was primarily raised by his white mother. So it's like, yeah, he knows he's a black man, but he may not have those experiences. So I think it's more of like a teaching moment than anything else that we need to work on being more understanding and, you know, more cognizant of the fact that all of us have not had the same life experiences. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should kind of take that into account when dealing with people, um, especially somebody like Tamara, who is of both races. And so I think she's probably got tired of trying to check everybody on her husband because she was like, you know, he's not racist, which she very well may not be, but he just has said some ignorant stuff. Yeah. And I don't think it's come up in a while as far as like the show. I don't, it's been a while since I've heard her address, um, anything that Adam has like said or done and it honestly hasn't come up that many times I know there's like this famous moment and Adrian has like turned into a meme where she's like clutching her pearls because Samara got real rowdy um talking about it one day and Adrian was like oh my god but (laughs) she hasn't talked about it much but um I think honestly she just you know she enjoyed it while she did it but I think homegirl has some other contracts some other things she wants to do and the reality of the situation is there's only 24 hours in the day and she can't do that show and everything else that she wants to do and I think that's probably more of what it boils down to is she wants to accept accept some other opportunities but scheduling wise she probably can't make it work um with her schedule or she very well may be on some Amanda Seals type stuff and maybe she has had her fill of whatever control executives or producers or whatever have over certain things that they say or how in-depth they go to certain topics because for those who do not know I do believe the real is on Fox so you know keep well, that we in know mind. Amanda Seals was not gonna make it from the show. <laughs> well I could have told you that from from day one when they announced that I was like this is a mistake she will not last long this is not the show for her. Yeah not the one at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm, nah. Um, what else has happened this week? Uh, well, speaking of the real, let's. Okay. I mean, I kind of feel like let's talk about Tamar real quick. Um, oh yeah. Oh Tamar, yes. Yeah. So that that's been pretty crazy, and I could just speak on what I've seen on social media. 
Um, and obviously nothing has come out officially, not like I guess we're expecting her to make a statement about the situation. But for those who do not know, this past week, it is alleged that Tamar did try to take her life in a suicide attempt. Um, and thank goodness she was unsuccessful. And she has, I feel like, some loving people around who prevented that from happening. And um, more news has just kind of been coming out day by day. More celebrities have been showing their support of her day by day. And I feel like just kind of going back to the mental health conversation that we kind of brought up earlier in COVID in the black community, um, you know, you never know what other people are going through. And so once again, I'm thankful for those black businesses like like Dice said, who stepped in to fill that void right now and be the voice of black mental health and just post those little quotes because you never know how, um, you know, your family members could be going through the same things that Tamar was going through so obviously like I said nothing is official and it's all you know alleged but um you know I just pray that whatever she's going through that it definitely just gets better for her I saw a lot of people were bringing up like little uh hints you know where she changed her name on Twitter was it or Instagram to Tamar Slave Braxton and people were talking about she sent her family a cryptic message on what looked like to be Snapchat if I'm not mistaken I think it was um, Twitter Twitter oh my gosh so you know I don't have a Twitter then but um <laughs> yeah she sent her family like a, a cryptic message and so I don't know what's going on, but my heart definitely goes out. Anything that's, you know, mental health related definitely kind of pulls at me because that's just that's a battle between you and you, you know, and those are some of the toughest battles to win. So, yeah, Yeah. definitely praying for her because that's crazy. And you never know, like you never know what somebody got going on or what they're going through. And I think a lot of times as celebrities, we just on the outside as regular poll folk, you know, we like, oh, they got it made. Like (laughs) they got it all together. Like what what more could you want in this life? But it's like, I know that she's had some, some serious issues in the past as well. And so I think, you know, sometimes you just, you just need more help than you realize. And um, I know that this, this segues it also into the whole black women thing, because obviously, as y'all know, Megan the Stallion and Tori Lanez Cousin had, a fiasco, <laughs> had a fiasco. Um, so, you know, that has brought it to the light, the topic of black women feeling unprotected. And, you know, it's very interesting because at the end of the day, um, the full story still has not come out. So let's just preface with that. But of course, social media being what it is, everybody's assigning their own own narratives. Mm -hmm. And so there are some people on the team of Meg did something to make Tori want to shoot her. Some people on the team of there's no excuse for shooting anybody, period. You know, it's social media. So, you know, y'all want to get the full gamut of opinions. But all that has been known is that they were in a vehicle. Um, They were being chauffeured in this SUV. If you haven't seen the video, it is on TMZ's website. And all you see is Meg um, stumbling to get out the car. The police pulled up, asking to get out the car. She's stumbling because she had been shot in her foot. And um, her friend also got out the car. Tori Lanez is already on the ground at this point, laid out. Um, and that's pretty much the whole video. It's just the, you know, the police interaction with them. And yeah. Megan came out and basically said, like, you know, she wanted to clear the air on some of the points, you know, some of the things that were being said. And, you know, basically she said, no, I was not being arrested. The police were taking me to the hospital or whatever. And then she later came out and made a statement. And I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing where she basically said, um, you know, I uh, felt unprotected, like black women, how unprotected we are or whatever in society. 
And she was talking about how people are making her situation a joke or a meme when actually it's like very serious. I think the boys in the hood meme is probably like the most circulated um, one right now. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know that people were making a joke of this situation for days until she made that comment because you don't have Twitter, Joe. Yeah, I know. I'm so out the loop. I'm I'm young, but I'm old at the same time and I don't have a Twitter. But no, I did not know people were making a joke out of it. And I'm sorry, but the whole protecting black women has been just a thought that I have come to. I've done a lot of thinking over COVID. If y'all have not picked up on that, I've done a lot of realization or realizing things. And um, Black women being unprotected and underrepresented has been a major theme of conversation that I've had with a lot of my family members. I have an older brother, for those who don't know. So he's a Black male, very successful in his industry. And I've had that conversation with him and his friends who are also successful Black males in the same industry about how you need like sometimes black men are in the positions to where they can speak up on behalf of black women because we aren't in those rooms to have the conversation. And so I feel like it's important for black men to know what it's like, not only to be, you know, kind of like a black woman or know what it's like for a black woman in today's society, but also to protect them, you know, represent us and protect us. And so I'm glad that Megan made the statement that she made because I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't see what's funny about that. I don't see what could have been made a joke out of her situation. And I'm quite disgusted by not only the people who have found it funny or who have found the humor in this situation, but who then, you know, publicize the fact that they think it's funny. So anybody who retweets, anybody who comes up with the meme, anybody who reposts, I'm sorry, but I don't see how you can laugh about that. I just don't. Especially because what little we all do know about Meg and Tori, they were friends. So we may not know about, you know, what caused the shooting that night or what caused the incidents that happened to occur. But the one thing that we do all know is that they were friends. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't see what's funny about a friend shooting a friend. Like, this is not the time. Not only is this not the time for Black people to be turning violence on one another because of everything that we have going on in America and in our, you know, our history right now, but I don't need no friend that shoot me every time they get upset. I don't care what she did or didn't do or whatever the facts may show when they finally come out. Nothing, right. nothing can justify a friend shooting a friend, whether it had been two females, two males, a male and a female, what have you. Nothing justifies two black friends or one black friend shooting another black friend. I mean, just nothing justifies that to me. So I don't, I don't find it funny. I feel like there are just, you know, a lot deeper levels and lessons to be learned from this. And so the fact that people do choose to make a joke out of it tells me you ain't learned a damn thing. You know what I'm saying? You're not pulling any significance. I will say that what I have been seeing, most of the comments I have been seeing, um, like kind of, you know, disregarding Meg's experience have been unfortunately from some black men. Mm -hmm. Notice I said some, Um, but yes, from some black men. And I've seen it in where they're like, you know, she basically saying like she has a lot of nerve, you know, talking about being unprotected when she was just calling herself a savage in a song and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, whoa, like that's that's a reach if I ever did hear one, because number one, I know we all know, especially as adults, that most of the time what people sing about and rap about is not necessarily what they are about. And then furthermore, that song ain't got nothing to do with her fighting nobody. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> like, that song like, has everything to do with her being like, 
savage in the game like her confidence mm-hmm. in the way that yeah. she moves and the way that she doesn't let like you know these men walk all over her and let her mm-hmm. like, play her against another woman like and it has nothing to do with how she handles <laughs> conflict let alone right. being shot like that's a reach exactly. come on now it, it was a reach and that's just uh, one example but yeah i've seen some pretty crazy things and it seems like a lot of black men um excuse me some black men correction took offense to <laughs> what she said and i guess because they feel like they do protect black women but i also think a lot of people don't really know what it means like they don't know what protecting black women means they just think like maybe we're overreacting about something but you know it's more than just protecting your sister your mother your wife whatever it's about black women as a whole and Mm -hmm. it's about you know when obviously when black men are gunned down in the street or whatever, especially, you know, by officers, et cetera, how black women are quick to jump up and protest for them and fight for them. But yet y'all will turn around. Some of y'all will turn around and call us a bitch. Yeah. You know, yeah. or whatever, or do whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like be derogatory towards us, make derogatory statements. Enough. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to bring that up. I was just about to bring that up, even though that didn't happen this week. But it's like you'll have this mindset that if you have to choose a black woman is the last thing that you'll choose, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like the audacity of some black men, in the words of Dice, some for <laughs> us to be the first people to hop up and advocate on your behalf but for the other half you know we're the last ones that you're choosing if you're picking you know and so um or i mean just picking in in any sense of the matter not only for a relational you know partner or romantic partner but to protect just going back to the megan tory thing we're the last people that you're choosing to protect and advocate for Mm -hmm. and so um once again that has just been one of the many realizations that i've come to over covid and obviously obviously some other personal life decisions or um situations but you know black men it's 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 a unique dynamic between the black man and the black woman i can honestly it is and i think people this could be a whole other topic honestly which we're not gonna go into but i think people need to do more research on the history and and really understand why there is this divide between black men and black women and why there is a divide within our own culture with black people in general because it it definitely stems from the past and, and and it has ties to slavery and segregation and all that other stuff you know all of that contributes to why we have these these mindsets that we do today and you have as an individual you have to research it you have to read it so that you can realize within your own self how you may have been you know continuing these stereotypes these issues and not really helping our community or whatever because we all i think have been guilty of it in one way or another especially like i know in your younger years i'm sure we have stories for days about how we may have you know separated ourselves from other black people for whatever you know minor reasons or whatever that seemed like such a big deal at the time so as a culture like we really need to do better with that um but yeah i think we kind of we got that topic pretty covered (laughs) i just want to say i wanted to give a quick disclaimer it doesn't uh-huh. make it right under any circumstances because I do agree as far as the jokes about my cousin Meg, those are completely out of pocket. Um, but I did want to say, you know, I think that for those of us who do frequent Twitter and are very familiar with the culture over there, I will have to say specifically with black Twitter, the theme of any day, every day is, you know, I'm here for the jokes. Don't get serious. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, 
like I said, that does not make it right because it's not funny. I I wouldn't think it was funny if I got shot. Um, but I will say that it did not shock me to see that people were making jokes because that is the culture over there amongst Black Twitter. Now, we get serious, too. You know, we get serious. Like, people retweet, hey, here's a number to call to um, say you want Breonna Taylor's murders arrested. Like, it gets serious. You have useful information as well. Um, but I will say on any given day, the theme definitely is I'm here, you know, for a good time. <laughs> Don't make it don't make it more than what it needs to be. Um, I just wanted to point that out because I know that Jordan had had mentioned something about not being on Twitter or something like that. Um, And so what's our last one, y'all? Okay, so we kind of touched on a little bit about like backing each other, but I just real quick wanted to bring up what happened um, this week with our boy Nick Cannon because, you know, that whole situation just really um, pulled at my heartstrings and... I said something on Facebook and I kind of got like a lot of people uh, DMing me about it, I guess, like who were afraid to like it or whatever. But if you've been up to speed on Nick Cannon this week, then you know that he has been under fire because um, of comments he made about pretty much talking about like white people being savages and, um, you know, being more close to animal-like behavior than black people and then he also made some comments about the Jewish community as well um and for me you know as far as his comments about like the savage-like behavior and animal-like behavior against white people I made it known on social media and I'll make it known here I don't feel like he said anything that we didn't all learn from watching Pocahontas like go go back and watch it go back and watch it like they they put these important topics into an animated film so that parents can watch it with their children but he didn't say anything we didn't learn from watching that movie he didn't say anything we didn't learn from watching roots i mean that's the truth and i think that it bothered me to see that he was under such fire for that because it's like well he didn't get up there and say oh here in today's time all white people are savages and are animals that's not what he said what he said was when you look back at history and the way that we were treated and I think I touched on this earlier people often fear what they don't know um and you know back in our history when they saw these these black people when they I mean even taking over America like the history books literally tell you Christopher Columbus founded America that there were you know um native americans all already here i literally remember reading that in a book as a kid and so you know what did they do they took over the land they used violence like they forced them out i mean he was talking about our history and that really upset me to see that he was put under so much fire just for speaking the truth i mean that's the truth that's that's what happened with our history i will say with his comments about the jewish community i do think that it's good that he apologized um and i think it's even better that he pointed out that there have been a lot of Jewish people and rabbis who kind of rallied around him and were like, hey, let me educate you on the parts that you got wrong. I think that it's good that he was able to man up and say, okay, here's what I got wrong. But for me, that's a great issue with the fact that, I mean, and I don't know, y'all might feel differently, but I don't feel like MTV or Viacom, whatever the company is, I don't feel like they did what they did because of his comments against Jewish people. I feel like they did what they did because he sat up there and he spoke the truth about our history in the way that white people have treated um, black people and just people of color in general. And I didn't like that. That upset me. So I'll just say comments aside, um, in my opinion on his comments, which 
even though y'all didn't ask. I 100% agree with you, Megan. <laughs> don't think you said anything that we did not already know or anything wrong. But I think for me, the biggest thing that stuck out was the timeliness in which Viacom was so quick to cut ties with him. It was like, what, the next day or two days after? And I was like, here we are on day, as of now, 126 from Breonna Taylor's murder. And we still have not seen any type of justice or vindication for her. But yet a few people who granted maybe the powers that be over Viacom, something that didn't even end their life, being the statements that Nick Cannon said were so quick to cut ties from him. And if you've seen any of the comments that he said um, in relation to this matter, he's had a long extensive history with this company. So Mm -hmm. for them to cut ties with him so quickly, um, that is what sent the biggest message to me, Um, not necessarily their you know, being offended, quote unquote, by what he said, but how quick they were to just say, well, bye, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, we done. Yeah. Um, and I know I follow a few lawyers on Instagram. And so one of them is, you know, she kind of specializes in copyright and trademark. And so she brought up some of the facts from the legal side, which I think would be great to point out. And Viacom actually applied for um, the trademark of Wild and Out back in 2019. And so for those who don't know, like y'all know, Wild and Out was just on a whole new, in my opinion, kind of like rebirth as far as branding. Like they had the clothes, they had the Instagram talent, you know, like I feel like it was a TV show that was becoming a lot more popular because it came out. I don't even remember when Wild and Out first came out, but then it kind of had its little downtime. And then it was like rebirth with this newfound talent that was on social media between, you know, Vine and all the Instagram comedians and this, that and a third so to see them be so success successful in these newfound ages and have this newfound talent um viacom applied for the trademark ownership of the trademark of the name wild and out in 2019 and so some people within the legal industry kind of feel like the timeliness in which we saw them cut ties with him this was not necessarily just because of the statements that he made this was something that they had in the works for a lot longer than now and the statements that he made just gave them you know the good excuse to go ahead and cut ties with him right um to steal so his I, work <laughs> yeah and so i found that very interesting and i will also say i have been in love with nick cannon since i can remember like hands down i'm pretty sure nick cannon was my first celebrity crush like ask my mom ask my parents ever since nick cannon i don't know really? not nick cannon but nickelodeon yeah like i don't know what it was but i have always just found him so cute and i just feel like for him to have very been i know that's a lot about <laughs> me right <laughs> But I kind of feel like for him to have been in the industry as long as he as he has, you know, and for him to be this successful, um, you know, like multimillionaire and just businessman that he is. I found that very shocking that he never applied for ownership of the Wild and Out name like that just that astonishes me that that was even still available to be owned in 2019. Um. I, I I mean that just y'all may not see the significance in that, but to me that is just com- like just not on brand or not on track for what I would have thought somebody of his business savviness would do. I just felt like that's something he would have been made sure that he protected when it first came out back in the early thousands. So I found that to be very interesting that they were able to get ownership of that name back in 2019, and now this has happened. I wasn't surprised that MTV made the move they did. And it could have been, like you said, Dornan, for something something they had brewing in the pot all along and just finally pulled the plug. But I'm not surprised because knowing the history of MTV, um, it has been quite white. (laughs) 
Um, there is a pretty major interview that occurred way back, I think like in the 80s with David Bowie. And David Bowie had asked an interviewer on MTV why they are not playing the music of Black artists on their platform. And the interviewer for MTV was basically like, in so many words, this is paraphrasing, he was just like, our audience doesn't want to hear that music. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was definitely wrong. But nevertheless, like the look on David Bowie's face, who y'all all all know is a white male, um, was just like hilarious. He was looking at me like he was crazy. Like, what do you mean they don't want to hear this music? Like they have some pretty good music out here, whatever, whatever. And so to me, like the history of MTV as a network has not really been diverse. I can't speak so much for VH1 because I think VH1 kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. I can't really knock them because I know they had like Flavor of Love and <laughs> Charm School and, <laughs> and all the Real Housewives. Yeah. And so, so I can't really knock them, but I will well, say it didn't. Right. It, it didn't shock me coming from MTV at all, just given their history. And, you know, this just kind of shows you how like the powers that be can easily just pull a plug on something because as black people, unfortunately, we do not own enough things. We don't own enough platforms or anything to have that kind of say in the in the media. So it's like we are still relying upon these other, you know, conglomerates or whatever that are not owned by us and probably don't even have one of us on a panel or any minority for that matter to help us out. And I don't know, like in terms of like what you were saying, Jordan, like why Nick didn't, you know, trademark the name. I'm not sure. And it could have been one of those things that maybe he thought somebody had handled that on his team and then they didn't, you know, or maybe he just didn't think it was going to be necessary. I have no idea. But we all know the industry can be real shaky and real flaky. So (laughs) I don't know. And, you know, it's a good thing that you brought up that thing from the 80s. I just was going to say like, if I, which is hard for me to take like color out of things like this, because I do feel like it's because he's black. But I will just say, on the surface of things, MCV has a history of kind of running scared. Um, I don't know if y'all remember this, but hey, one of my favorite tracks by the Britney Spears is Toxic. Her video did numbers back in the day. I remember MTV used to have the same music video schedule because that's all I used to watch, okay, during the summer times. But People complained, um, I guess these families, these moms or whatever, complained saying that that video, the toxic video, was not um, family friendly. People were complaining that their kids were seeing the music video home for the summer. And with the flip of a switch, MTV took it off. Highest, like, I think it was on the way to being, like, one of her top videos. Um, And it was pretty cool, like, because, you know, music videos were the thing back then. So, I mean... Purpose being that inappropriate, I don't think it was that inappropriate either. But that goes to show that times have changed, like because she had on kind you of a, a mesh bodysuit. Um, I vaguely remember that, like, I vaguely I remember, remember the airplane being part controversy, yeah. Being the airplane video. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the same video, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it, the like, same video. Had, like a blue cast on yeah, her. Yeah, she was yeah. dressed like a flight attendant. Yeah, I remember, and she was running through the plane. Where you know, I, I like that little song, anyways. Yeah, well, I don't remember I'm it being saying, appropriate. That goes to show, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Britney Spears, by that point, she had made her name. You know what I'm saying? You knew who Britney Spears was. Took her video off like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. I know neither of you watch The Challenge, MTV's The Challenge, um, but I've been watching it since middle school. MTV 
re- recently parted ways with um, this girl named D. For the past three seasons, she's kind of been a household name. She made some, you know, suspect comments on Twitter. Gone. Just like that. They didn't cut her out of all of the episodes. Now, this goes to show that she had so much weight in on the past couple of seasons because there's a guy who she used to date who also was on the show well once mtv decided they were going to cut ties with her i almost forgot he was on there because almost all of his scenes were with her you know what i'm saying like the first week that they cut her the episodes are usually an hour and a half i think the first week that they cut cut her the episode was only like 40 minutes so that goes to show how unprepared they were to cut her but they were afraid of the backlash and that's what i was just gonna say like i don't want to ramble on but i was gonna say like if you look at it on the surface, MCV has had a history of running scared. As soon as someone complains and they don't want to be on the wrong end of the stick, okay, we'll cut that out. Okay, y'all don't like that she mm-hmm. said that on Twitter. We'll end her contract. And same thing with Teen Mom. Um, oh, yeah, I remember a girl, that. A girl recently got cut from Teen Mom for something she said back in, I think, 2010, 2011. And she has apologized for that and acknowledged the error of her ways and educated herself on camera since that happened but because it resurfaced in the mix of all this going on they cut ties with her um and so nick cannon was probably i mean he's one of many to kind of you know have the thanos snap your finger effect happen <laughs> to him with mcv because that's just their history i mean they run scared as soon as the right person complains they're like oh we don't want people to stop watching, so uh, yeah, let's get him, get him out of there too. I mean, so I'm not surprised that it happened. It just was kind of um, angering, I guess, to see happen. And I will say, um, I do think we have some work to do as a society because you know people, and I'm sure this will be a topic for another week. But this whole cancel culture thing we gotta decide what we're gonna do and when we're gonna be consistent and when we're gonna not be flip floppy because y'all know I love me some the view but I was mad at them because when they talked about it they pretty much ridiculed him for you know the entire situation but just the day before they were going in on Tucker Carlson and all the racist things that happened on his show but saying that one of the beautiful things about America is you know freedom of speech and we can't get to a point to where because we don't like what people say we say take them off air take them off tv whatever but then when this situation happened with Nick Cannon you know y'all were appalled at what he said against the Jewish community and I'm not saying that I'm I'm not condoning what he said about the Jewish community what I am saying is I feel like this country we have to get consistent. We can't say, oh, yeah, we think Tucker Carlson has a lot of racist rhetoric um, on his show. But nevertheless, we got to have freedom of speech. We just can choose not to watch him. But then applaud what MTV did with Nick Cannon. You know, in my opinion, you have two people who said things that were wrong to some degree. And so you can't say that one deserves a platform to exercise that freedom of speech, but the other one doesn't. Um and I also don't like that black people got on to Nick Cannon about apologizing because there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that you may have offended someone or gotten some parts wrong. And he didn't apologize for what he said about our history. He just apologized for, um, you know, his words against the Jewish community, which, as I said earlier, I felt was appropriate because he did offend a lot of people. And you never want to come off like you're... Um, against people for things like religion race you know 
preference in terms of um, sexual partners, anything like that. I feel like you never want to do that. So I had to throw that in there. um, I think you brought some valid points, Megan. I think this was a successful talk on all the not your average news for today. (laughs) Um, But I will, I guess we'll just have to see, you know, what happens yeah. with MTV and VH1 and all of them. I mean, they might honestly end up hurting them in the long run, all this running away every time something happens, but we will just have to wait and see what happens there. So before we wrap up, I don't know if anybody had anything they wanted to say to our listeners real quick. Yes, Jordan? Well, I just have one little honorable mention when it comes to the Not Your Average News, and I just kind of threw it in on the back end, so I'm sure, you know, Dice and Meg are like, what? But um, even though I am, you know, the doctor of jurisprudence on the show, I'm probably one of the most ratchet of the hosts. And so (laughs) I would just be completely remiss if I did not just give a little shout out to that young Miami and Santana Instagram live (laughs) that Megan brought to my attention the other day. If y'all missed them on live, what's today? Sunday. So what was that like Friday or something? I think it was Friday night. Yeah, if y'all missed them on live, please go back and watch it. I don't know if it's still on their Instagrams, but I do know that it is on YouTube. You can find clips in the full version. Completely hilarious. I love their dynamic. I think their roasting sessions are just, you know, just amazing. I just quite love to see them going back and forth. Um, And there were a lot of notable one-liners that I would definitely be incorporating into, unfortunately, (laughs) probably my daily speech because they were were with it. They were with it. Yes, yes. I love when y'all Miami tell everybody, back up, back up. Oh, my God. I love that. So um, anyway, yeah, I just want to give that little, you know, ratchet news real quick. But yeah, so anyway, thank y'all for listening. Yes, yes. Got to come through with a little bit of spice on them. Um, but yeah, so thank you for listening. I don't know if Dice and Megan have anything else to say. <laughs> Just thanks, you guys. And uh, we will be back with another episode for y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.